Pray with me. King Jesus, we come before you this morning in awe. We thank you for what you've done, and we ask that you would open our hearts in these few moments to receive with gratitude the suffering that you bore for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Palm Sunday is my favorite Sunday to preach. I know that I should probably love Easter the most, but let's be honest, no one shares the pulpit with the bench players on Easter Sunday, so that's not really an option anyway. But seriously, there's a real reason why Palm Sunday is my favorite moment, probably within the whole Christian year. It's not because I enjoy watching the chaos of the procession uh, in which the children inevitably turn worship into warfare, brandishing their palm fronds like swords. Sure, yeah, middle schoolers too. I do love that, but it's not what makes this my favorite Sunday. Nor is it that the church where I grew up used to hire someone to bring a live donkey to parade around the church with us. Again, love Gus, but that's not what makes this my favorite Sunday. No, what makes Palm Sunday so important to me is that it bears out perhaps most clearly the two most significant themes in all of Scripture. Namely, who is God and who is man? True, we see both of these things on Easter Sunday as well. But on Palm Sunday, this is the climax of our Lenten journey. And it bears all the marks of this introspection and it more accurately holds up a mirror to us as we try to walk in faith on this side of glory. You may have heard it said that we live in the tension between the already and the not yet. What Jesus has already done and what has not yet been accomplished as we await his second coming. Easter lives into the not yet what we look forward to. Palm Sunday is what are we already living in. So let me try to draw this out for you. There is a well-noted tension in the text, which is the direct contrast between the triumphal entry, which we lived out in this procession, and then the horrific mob scene at the courthouse in which Jesus is essentially lynched. As a result, when we read through these scenes, we tend to tell ourselves that we want to emulate the crowds on the road to Jerusalem, not the crowds inside the city. 
we tell ourselves that we're the good guys and we should act like the good guys in the story. Well, after all, we are here at church this Sunday and we do say our prayers before bed and most meals. Some of them slip by, obviously. We're hungry. We got to eat. So we could never be like those scoundrels who lied about Jesus before a judge, going out of our way to ensure that he was executed. We see the two groups as polar opposites. Good guys, bad guys, black and white, plain and simple. Now, of course, we also say sometimes that we are the bad guys. We read their lines, and we could say that because of our sinful habits. We're just like the mob who had Jesus killed. He had to die for us, after all. But that still assumes that there's a... between good and bad, and that really we're only the bad guys on our way to becoming the good guys. It's a part of our comeback story. However, a few years ago as I was preparing a sermon for another Palm Sunday, it occurred to me that the story is a little more complicated than that. It all started when I began to investigate the significance of Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9, 9 and 10, which Matthew quotes, and it reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. What I found was that this gesture was packed with meaning. For starters, Jesus was definitely claiming to be a king. However, this was not just to show that he was a king. No, it was meant to show what kind of king he was. In the ancient Near East, a king riding up on a donkey was a clear sign that the king had already conquered everything in his path. It was meant to signify that all threats had been eradicated so the king could come in riding on a beast totally inequipped for battle. He could, be, he could afford to be vulnerable because he had already vanquished all of his enemies. It meant that he was a king coming in peace. Well, as I reflected on the warm welcome of the people, it occurred to me that they seemed to be missing the message. Even these good guys... Jesus' welcome seemed rather to be based on an expectation that he was coming to conquer the Roman oppressors and the corrupt Herodian dynasty. The people certainly did want peace. But if you look at the accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the crowd seems to have been much more excited about the conquest that Jesus might unleash as the heir of David. 
as the Messiah. This got me thinking. What if our gospel writers didn't intend for us to read the crowds as necessarily good or evil, but that both crowds were comprised of people who did not understand the fullness of the work of Jesus, who had eyes but could not see and ears but could not hear? What if the point is that we all crave peace, but that part of the product of being in a fallen world is that we are all too selfish to accept the terms of real peace? What if the people of that angry mob that had Jesus killed were just so lost in their own disappointment and shame that they couldn't recognize hope when they saw it right in front of them? Does that not feel more like you? It feels like me. This is what makes Palm Sunday so beautiful and powerful to me. We see ourselves in all of the full scope of humanity. We have good moments and bad moments, but most of our problem is that we are just so broken and scared by the things that we can't control that we don't recognize the goodness of God in our midst. So then we too can be a stiff-necked and stubborn people. That's what Palm Sunday shows us about ourselves. But here's what it shows us about God, about Jesus. Our perfect eternal king, our creator, who joyfully created us for love and fellowship, came down to live among us. He came, and we did not know him. We did not even recognize the very person who loves us most in the whole universe. Some of you have felt this sting before. We've seen loved ones' minds fail and cannot even recognize us as we've cared for them. Imagine Jesus' whole life surrounded by people that he loved into being and none of them saw him. And to add insult to that injury, we treated him with absolute disdain. Even the people who were celebrating his coming to be a king were still totally off about his character. They still did not know him. Yet this Jesus, this Savior, bore all of the pain of our infidelity and misplaced hope, feeling it from his infancy until his dying breath. And he still lovingly and peacefully rode that donkey into our violence that we might know peace. From Mount Olive to Golgotha, he suffered that we might know peace. He did it because his glory cannot be contained, 
and because we have been purposed to share in it. He did it because his love is greater than our brokenness. As we are about to embark on the last and darkest part of our Lenten journey, I'd like to close with a poem from C.S. Lewis, which might be a helpful reminder of the depth of Jesus' love for us as we move through Holy Week. Love's as warm as tears. Love is tears. Pressure within the brain, tension at the throat. Deluge, weeks of rain, haystacks afloat, featureless seas between hedges where once was green. Love's as fierce as fire. Love is fire, all sorts, infernal heat clinkered with greed and pride, lyric desire, sharp, sweet, laughing even when denied, and that imperial flame whence all loves came. Love's as fresh as spring, Love is spring, birdsong hung in the air, cool smells in a wood, whispering, dare, dare, to sap, to blood, telling ease, safety, rest, are good, not best. Love's as hard as nails. Love is nails. Blunt, thick, hammered through the medial nerves of one, who, having made us, knew the thing he had done, seeing, with all that is, our cross and his. Amen.